How did Christ's death affect humanity's relationship with God? That's the question that we're discussing today on the the story presented by the Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truth of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Josh Hayes. Josh, we are back at it. We are talking about doctrine today. Oh, yeah, right in my my wheelhouse. Um, as I said, I'm like a kid in a candy store when it comes to talking about doctrine and systematic theology, uh, think, things of that sort. And really, we're, we're covering something today that's uh, closely related to what we covered last time when we discussed uh, propitiation. Yes, that's right. This is uh, this is one of the other aspects, really, of Christ's atoning work. Um, here is is that what does it do? What did it do? Does it do? Will it do? <laughs> um, all of the above, because it's right, always yeah. doing these things. So uh, we are talking about. Uh, Christ as our reconciliation. So uh, here we go. Christ as reconciliation means this, that ever since the fall of the first man and woman in the Garden of Eden, God and human beings have been estranged. Sin resulted not only in an estranged relationship with God, but also enmity between God and humanity. Sin is an infinite offense against an infinite God. Thankfully, God loves his enemies and has sent Christ to be the reconciler between us and God. Through Christ's death, God provides the means whereby that broken relationship is restored and renewed. So, there's a lot here, but uh, the super short version is, is that through Christ's death, people can have a reconciled, peaceful relationship with God. That's exactly. basically yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's a great, precise way to put it. And as, as we noted uh, just a few minutes ago, propitiation really sort of is the, is, the, is the ground of reconciliation. So we talked about last time propitiation being a uh, wrath-quenching or wrath-satisfying uh, Wrath satisfying, yeah. Uh, yep. Trying to think of another wrath averting. I think that's what I was trying to trying to averting, extinguishing. Extinguishing is a good way to put it. So you get rid of where there's 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 grounds for enmity or hostility between uh, two parties, and you and it, the end to which that brings is reconciliation. You think about when you have a rift with your spouse or with a friend, you don't just want to squash the beef as it were to, to mm-hmm. i think the kids still say that right squash the beef i don't know what they say anymore oh, you don't know what they say anymore no. so but I, I think it's still a thing to say squash <laughs> the beef but when, once the beef's been properly squashed and put away it's not just to go to a state of neutrality where ever, everything just hum ho it's so that there's a positive relationship put in uh place of that a vital uh revived relationship if we could put it put it that way so Reconciliation is the end of propitiation, and and in the context of uh, talking about Christ's atonement, his his work on the cross on our behalf to make us right before God, God's wrath has been quenched, satisfied, done away with because His sacrifice was enough. But the result of that is even better: is that now we are peace with God. We can be friends with God again because His holy and righteous wrath it was. rightly do uh, toward our sin has been has been done away with and so now we have a basis for friendship uh with, with god or fellowship with god as some might, might prefer to say 
and that that's received through faith it's not as we'll get into it's not something that's automatic but something that that the bible teaches and christians have always recognized that uh, we receive the benefits of this reconciliation through faith in christ and repentance from sin and living yeah. uh, for him yeah all right so josh where do we see where are some places that we see this in scripture well here is some of the most uh, prevalent passages we we might want to consider and the first is romans five ten, and I, i'll go ahead and read that and that says that for if while we were enemies so we were enemies with god we were reconciled to god through the death of his son then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life so that's that's romans 5 10 uh, romans 6 23 uh, a well-known verse that most of our listeners probably know probably learned in uh, vbs or sunday school at some point uh but uh, that is for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord again that's romans 6 23 and then second corinthians 5 18 and 19 uh give us uh, a, a good amount of insight into this the nature of reconciliation and that christ's accomplishment and that christ accomplished it for us uh, God initiated it, Christ accomplished it, and then it's something we proclaim to others, as, as Paul goes on to say later in the passage. But beginning in verse 18, uh, it says, everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. And so those, those really give us a solid basis uh, on which we can build uh, our, our understanding of what it means for us to be uh, reconciled to God through, through Christ's uh, work of atonement. Yeah. Yeah. And um, as, we, as we seek to understand this doctrine, um, there are a few things that we need to know. One of them is, uh, is something that you've already mentioned. Uh, which is that that reconciliation is not automatic in that it is not for everybody. It doesn't just happen um, in a universal sense because we don't believe in universalism and the Bible doesn't teach that. Um, the do this doctrine is true for those who have trusted in Christ. God initiates the reconciling work in Christ and we respond to it via repentance and faith. That's how that's how it works. Christ came, Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose again. We believe in him. We are reconciled. Right. right. <laughs> um, now, the other thing, one of the other things that we need to we need to understand about this is that while all believers agree with the substance of this doctrine, when this reconciliation occurred is a major debate. Um, so and. So when Jesus died on the died on the cross, did that act uh, right then and there reconcile people, or did it merely enable reconciliation? Is it one or the other? In other words, did Jesus die to reconcile only those who who would believe, or for all the world to to enable reconciliation when they believe? This is a very very intense argument that's connected to some other intense arguments um, around matters of salvation, and there are very impassioned and there are very thoughtful arguments on both sides of that debate, and there's everything in between as well. What we need to know about this is is that um, this is one of these things that is honestly too big for us as 
finite beings because it goes in a bit more into the mysteries of God that he has not granted us the abilities to fully understand in the like so for example how God's plans and human and human actions how his sovereignty and his and our responsibility how those two things work together um, those are things that the Bible doesn't tell us how they work it just tells us that they do right and this is kind of like that as well is mm-hmm. we we're not told how this works we're just told that it that this is this is the way it works is that those yeah. who believe are reconciled right it's where we have to pick up on all the data that scripture is giving us in order to um, put together our understanding of what reconciliation is and that's that's the way it is with every, every doctrine doctrine you can compare to like scientific theories you're trying to go with the theory that can do justice to the most data it doesn't mean that there aren't questions there aren't weaknesses to a theory there they're not problems for it that other theories might be able to answer better but you're going for the one that has the strongest totality of, of explanation if we can if we can put it that way so uh to comment on what you were saying about the the two different views that people will 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 um, put in opposition to, to one another did the reconciliation already take place objectively in christ or is reconciliation affected or enabled um, by our uh, believing in christ does faith activate the the benefit the reconciling benefit of the atonement we could if we could put it that way mm-hmm. uh is that there's there's elements of truth in both of those things and i think a, a biblical understanding of uh what takes place in uh, christ's uh, rec- work of reconciliation has to has to account for both and that yes there is the objective basis of what jesus did that's not gonna have been in vain Jesus yeah. is going to achieve what he sought out to achieve and 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 dying to redeem a people for himself. But yet it's not automatic as if the 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 human uh, person, the sinner, uh, doesn't have any uh, obligation or requirement to do anything in light of what Jesus did in order to benefit from it. That's where, like we said earlier, repentance and faith are necessary in order to benefit from. Uh, this reconciling work. So God was in the world reconciling it to himself in Christ, not counting their trespasses against us as second Corinthians five that we read a moment ago said, Mm -hmm. uh, but we proclaim this uh, message of reconciliation as Paul goes on to say in the, in the very next verse uh, there's be reconciled to God. So repent and believe so that you will be reconciled uh, to God. So that's where it's helpful to distinguish between uh, the objective basis of salvation and and Christ's redemptive work on the cross. And also to acknowledge that there is a category where uh, this has to be applied or given to people in time and space, because we all didn't exist and weren't there at the cross itself, at least not in a physical sense. And so we, and so the effects, this, these benefits of, of salvation that flow from the cross spill into time through the, through the century. So we see the effects of God's reconciling work in Christ uh, pervade the centuries is, 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 what, is, what we're, is what we're seeing is, as we go and proclaim that message of reconciliation and see sinners come to repent, believe in, in Jesus, the one who died to reconcile them to God. 
So in that as well, Josh, a lot of what you're talking about is, is this, this dual forensic and practical reality to reconciliation that there's a sense, this forensic sense in which it's, it's an objective fact. It's something that has happened. Mm. Our position, our status, it changes with God. But that practical sense is, is that the chain, that, that the changed status has to be lived out. And that happens over time. Um, it's part of it's part of the process that we call sanctification, which mm-hmm. um, which continues from the moment that we the moment that we repent and believe, uh, it begins there and it com- and it finds its way through our the entire life of a Christian until the day we die and stand before Jesus or the day that Jesus returns, whichever comes first. Um, and then we and, and then we get to enjoy its completion, which is glorification, which we'll talk about, I believe, next week or the week after. So it's um, so that's just the thing that we have to understand that it's like we can come to this and we can say, well, I still don't feel like God is or is, you know, that I'm that I'm I have peace with God. Why don't I feel like this is true? It's like, well, our our feelings don't always tell us the truth is is one of the key things mm-hmm. but we do have to acknowledge our feelings we have to respect our feelings we have to we have to investigate what might be at the root of those things now it can be that it's like well we've we're brand new christians and we've you know spent our whole lives um you know in opposition to god well there's probably habits that uh, that that we're going to have to work our way out of um, there could be moments of that it could be that we're we're in a season of prolonged sin that is generally genuinely there and that we have to deal with that. And there's also just the reality that we may have a very tender conscience. Yeah. And so there are people who, you know, we talk like we've mentioned in the past a little bit about assurance of salvation. And that's a that again is another tricky debate. But uh, in ter- depending on what you mean, because there's the objective reality that we are saved by Jesus. We are saved based on his merit, not on our own. That's where our justification comes from before God. But we may feel like we are like we may not feel that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that uh, that so there's always this wondering, well, how do I know if I'm saved? And, and you brought that up earlier. And it's like, well, you you know, based on who Jesus is, not based on on who you are. Um, the fact that you care is gen is genuinely a good indication that you are saved, because typically people who don't who aren't don't really care all that much. Yeah, yeah, that's where reconciliation is is more than a feeling. If I can uh, quote a Boston song, I believe Boston sang more than. I think a feeling. I'm, I'm I'm glad you finally yeah. went there. Uh, yeah, time. so there, there we go with classic rock references. So we've done our job for the day, uh, but yes, uh, reconciliation is more than just how we might feel in the moment. It's an objective thing. You know, it might feel sometimes like uh, it might not feel some days like um, we're uh, to put it on sort of diplomatic terms that we're uh, reconciled with Japan for say what happened in World War II, but. Yeah. The reality is, is that there, there is a treaty and there's an objective basis. Now, you know, that 
and that and that's actually a good thing that it doesn't fluctuate based on how uh, the two countries between the United States and Japan might feel about one another on a on, on a given day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, there's an objective grounds for the, this treaty that's been ha- hammered out legal legally and diplomatically. And so that's that's similar. Uh, you know, analogies have their limits, but that's similar to how God's disposition toward us has has changed. Uh, because of Christ, our status has changed because of Christ's coming. And if we're united to him by faith, then we can know, regardless of our feelings, that we are that we are in the right, we are in the clear uh, with God and sanctification, as you were describing, Aaron, is really just the, the working out of li- living in light of that of that reality. Uh, it, it still takes effort, right? Grace and effort are not mutually opposed. We don't earn our salvation and pursuing sanctification and seeking to be more holy. Uh, but, but it is something we strive toward to become more like Jesus by supernatural grace, by his grace working within us through the word, by the spirit. And, and because uh, God has done this work in us initially, and 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 working our hearts to grant us even the the faith the saving faith to believe to believe in Jesus, He will complete uh, that good work to to uh, once again quote Philippians one. Uh, so justification and sanctification they're they're inseparable. All those whom God justifies in Jesus, He will also sanctify in Jesus. Yes. It, it's not as if you you can uh, separate the two. You do distinguish between the two, and that was an important debate that came out of the the, the Reformation. We're not justified by how well we work out our sanctification, by how, how holy we've been, we can become by the end of our lives, our mortal mm-hmm. lives. But we are justified in Christ and in the right with him. But at the same moment, God begins to do a new spiritual supernatural work in us to where we are changed uh, in a progressive, prolonged way throughout the course of, of the rest of our lives once once we are in Christ. So, so, so on one level sanctification is really this this subjective pursuit of living out what it means to be justified uh, yeah. but also knowing that the, the that the two are distinct that with sanctification we're not earning our justification rather we're, we're living out our identity in christ we're becoming in christ as some theologians have put it uh, what we've been declared to be in christ you've been declared righteous in justification now go live out being righteous in your sanctification if we can we can put it that way and so yeah, reconciliation yeah. just shows uh in living out our justification in our sanctification reconciliation just so we have been reconciled with god now we can go enjoy it now we can enjoy what it means to be christians to be adopted sons and daughters uh in christ uh with God as our father. Yeah. And so we, we are free as it were to play with our toys. You know, if you, if you're a parent, you, 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 and your kids have gotten in trouble, so you've disciplined them and now it's time to move on. You don't want them trepidatiously and nervously playing with their toys. It's like, no, it's free time. Now you, you've had your time out. You've had your time in the corner or, you know, whatever, whatever form of, of uh, discipline you use as a parent, that time's over. Now it's time to move forward. So judgment's already come upon us in jesus on the cross and now god wants us to enjoy uh the toys the the lives that he's given us the resources in the in the in the holy spirit that he's given us in order to have relationship with him and fellowship with with one another in the kingdom of god i i really appreciate that that way that you described what the christian life really is is that it's living out living out what has been declared to be the case um 
you know, a, a simpler way to say it is, is really that when you think about the commands in the, in the New Testament, and really the whole Bible, it's be who you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah. it's not, not generic, you know, you do you, like the culture says, it's be who you are in Christ. Because right. God has told you who you are in Christ, if you are in Christ. Um, and that leads us into uh, really just the, the final couple of things that, uh, that we want to talk about here in this conversation, which is really what difference this doctrine makes. And so, uh, so I'll handle the first one, and uh, Josh, I'll hand it over to you to wrap it up. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, so um, what, one of the things that we need to know is, is that this doctrine, as simple as it may seem, is, is, is so critical to our understanding of the gospel itself. I mean, think about those verses that, that that you read, Josh, at the beginning of this. We're not good people needing a little bit of help. Um, we were enemies of God, it says. Mm-hmm. That's what enmity means. Like, enmity is, is deep hostility. Um, and largely, and that hostility between God and humanity is largely from us, Um you know, yes, God hates sin without question, but in our sin, because we love sin so much, we kind of hate God, right? A lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, to and and that enmity and that that enmity is so deep that the Bible calls us dead in sin, estranged, um, effectively, completely from Him with no true desire for him, no no desire to honor him, mm-hmm. no desire to be with him. And yet Christ provided what we could not and what we didn't even really want, which is reconciliation, peace with God, freedom from our enmity and the bondage of our sin so that we can be what God intended all of us to be from the beginning at peace with him in relationship with him, family with him. Yeah. I like to say that, you know, God will judge sin because he is good. Some people have the opposite uh, instinct, uh, particularly today in our culture. If God's good, well, he won't punish sin. He'll just, he'll just overlook it. But when there, when there's been an offense, just sweeping it under the, under the rug or ignoring it, that doesn't really solve the offense. And that's really what reconciliation gets at, gets at the heart of it, that God's done what is necessary in order to please him and his holy, righteous standards, because our sin is an affront to God. And it takes the death of his son in order to make us right before God, because he's an infinitely holy God. We can never make that up for ourselves. We can never atone for our own sins. That's why we needed the God man, Jesus to come is that reconciling agent between us and 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 god yes it's so some people will only look at it like one side of the equation well we need to be reconciled to god god's already been reconciled to us you know he didn't need atonement in order to be reconciled but that that really misunderstands the whole uh basis for the the sacrificial the sacrificial system and god's initiating that process by which sinners can come into his presence and it was a temporal provisional basis in the in the old testament mm-hmm. uh, like we talked about last time when we discussed propitiation uh, but here with reconciliation we're we're seeing that god initiated this process of reconciliation in love he and he definitively did that in christ 
when he reconciled the world, a world of sinners to himself and everyone who places their faith in Christ gets to participate and enjoy the, the, this, this reconciliation, this being estranged uh, from God. We are rebels, but this King whom we offended has made a way of peace. And he's done so on, on his own, on his own rightful and good terms. And that's where humility comes into this and where as we're commissioned to be agents of reconciliation, just as, as Paul talked about in, a, in the passage we read earlier, second Corinthians five, 18 through 20, uh, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So we've received reconciliation. It's not because we've done anything to deserve it more than anyone else did. We've merely, we're, we're merely, merely beggars who've received food and we're pointing other beggars to where that food is as martin luther like like to say we we are beggars beggars this is true we're just showing other people other starving hungry people where to find food and so the food that his reconciliation that that's found in in christ and so we do that humbly as those who have benefited uh, by god's grace by this reconciliation that he's accomplished in christ so we're pointing people to this and pleading with them uh saying be reconciled to yeah. god to, to use to use paul's paul's language so this isn't something that's a secondary concern of the gospel. In some ways, it is the very gospel. The good news is that God has provided a basis for reconciliation and repentance and faith are the way, the path to that uh, reconciliation that he's accomplished for us in Christ. Be reconciled to God is really the same as saying repent and believe. Yes. That, that, that's, that's, the, that's the plea uh, of, of the gospel that we want to, we want to make clear to others in a humble humble but confident way confident not because uh again we figured out or we were somehow better in some way to be reconciled while others have not yet to experience reconciliation with god but more that we've been swept up in god's reconciling grace and we want to bring others along for this this glorious ride into the new heavens and new earth where we get to enjoy peace with god forever yeah Man, that is a great note for us to end on. So, Josh, thank you for talking about this super important doctrine. And uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.